1: Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Welcome to the seventh episode of the FPL Wire powered by Dreamset Co. I'm your host, Zofa, and I'm joined as always by my co host, Late Riser. Good game week for you this week, Ella. Ah, finally, Zofa, finally. Uh, and uh, uh, it
0: was uh, due in my head. Uh, shout out to both uh, you and AK, both Chelsea fans who I trust. You messaged me on Saturday morning that you've got a good feeling about Burner. Uh, on that day and I was dilly-dallying between Mo Salah and Werner for the captaincy. I'd been on Werner all week and then I was just uh, feeling a little nervous about it on the last day. But I'm glad uh, I didn't shift. Uh, feels uh, ha- feel happy that it came through. Uh, all my attackers returned except for Potence, who I'm happy to keep this week. Uh, so yeah, uh, in defense, Semedo is uh, taking over nicely. And I thank you for that again because uh, you talked me out of Reese James and into Semedo. So yeah, all in all, happy. And hoping this streak continues. Uh, really? Also looking at our friend, uh, Bakar, who's not here. He's studying for his exams at the moment. Uh, he also had a pretty decent week. Uh, he's, he clocked 66 points without Spurs assets like me. Uh, Salah, Kap, captain worked for him. Sterling, Werner, DCL, Martinez. They brought the chunk of points for him. How, how about you?
1: I mean, it was, it's a bit of a strange week. I think it was one where you if you didn't own Kane, then you really, in, irrespective of how well everyone else did, you pretty much fell behind like... I got returns from all seven of my attackers, but I still got a very small green arrow from 700k to 650k. So, it was really just a week. If you won't gain, you were in profit. If you didn't, and I think you were probably one of the few people who got such a big green arrow without any Spurs players.
0: Yeah, it was your boy Timo that came through for me and two spectacular goals. I enjoyed watching that performance, hoping he doesn't repeat it. I kind of enjoyed
1: it. I didn't enjoy the second half as much, but we'll get into that when we talk about my new Chelsea. All right. All right. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Dreamset Go is a global portal for fans to gain access to sporting events around the world. Accommodation, flight tickets, hospitality, stadium visits. Everything can be tailored exactly to your requirements. They also do celebrity experiences, which include masterclasses with your favorite sports celebrity or something as simple as birthday shout outs. Visit dreamsetgo.co for more. The FPL wire is a part of the Fantasy Scout Network, and all stats used in this podcast are taken from the FFS members area. Please sign up if you haven't already.
0: just love that. Every uh, anyway, talking about the agenda for today's pod, uh, it's pretty elaborate. We're going to be talking about Liverpool defence and whether it's time to get rid of them again, uh, because uh, VVD is out for the season. That's the big news that happened this weekend. Uh so, Then we'll talk about defensive options. A lot of questions coming in for defenders to target. And we'll be talking about premium as well as basement defenders to target. Uh, Kane, uh, who's been on a hot streak all season. Kane versus other strikers and what we're thinking about that. Uh, The polarizing season that we are going through at the moment and how do we deal with that. A lot of questions with regards to mental health as well. People were upset because just such big holes coming through. So that's something we're going to address. The teams that we're going to be looking at are Wolves. Leeds and Aston Villa and the standard captains differentials. Baker sent us his three star- top stats for the week. We'll be looking at our teams and the QA. And of course, the hot fixture. We're going to be talking about United Chelsea in detail, the pod derby, as we like to call it. So mm-hmm. let's 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 start out. with the Liverpool. We're both kitted yeah, out. It's going
1: to be fun.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I don't think you're going to be happy at the weekend though. I don't uh, but think so either. But in, let's in just... let's
1: wait for that discussion a little bit later.
0: All right. All right. All right. Uh, so we will start with the Liverpool defenders. So now Vanjik uh, injured and we had a few questions with regards to that. Uh, so I'll just read out a few questions that we've gotten from our listeners so far. At the rate, FPL being is asking, is it worth even spending 5.5 million in defence considering every Tom, Dick and Harry are actually scoring for fun? Nice pun there. he mentioned. Uh, he actually is after Harry. Uh, at Tunde at the rate Gun 59 is asking us if it's time to drop Trent, seeing, seeing that he's playing much deeper and Van Dijk is basically out for the season. And uh, FPL Essential, a friend of the pod, is asking uh, your us our thoughts on the pool defence and the double defence, especially with uh, Van Dijk out. What, what, what's your thinking there, of
1: I mean, let's address it one by one. I think now we must look at what is going Liverpool's backline going to be with Van Dijk out. There's some rumours, I think, that Martip also has an injury. It might not be as long-term. So I think we are looking at Gomez and Fabinho at centre-back, which isn't too bad a combination, if you ask me. Fabinho is pretty good at centre-back against Chelsea. I think he can work well with Gomez. So it's not like they've gone to a rele- from like a champion defence to a relegation defence. Let's just be clear about that. Yes, the defence is weaker, but it's not a complete write-off, as some seem to be suggesting. So I do like the can- idea of keeping one to just like, you know, I'll give my thoughts in a very concise manner. I like the idea of having one defender, at least TA or Robertson, but I wouldn't be keen on having two right now.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I agree with your sentiments as well. Uh, but I do see value in, let's say, you know, people are wanting to get one or two big hitters more in attack, especially this season when we have so many options and they want to remove funds out of the defence. Yeah, do it. But if I feel like, uh, I feel like if you have uh, other optional routes to... Uh, you know, making your attack greater. Do it. Yeah. That do that right now instead of downgrading the pool defense right now, especially with the uh, Sheffield at home uh, for Liverpool next, which I think is a game very, very suited to those yeah. Liverpool. Pool I backs. think the next two fixtures yeah. is a
1: good time to evaluate to see how many chances they concede, how well they defend, how how far how far forward Trent and Robertson are getting now. So I think that I would I would probably wait the next two fixtures to answer this question better.
0: Just just a few things that i have uh Thought about you know uh, that are going to change in the Liverpool setup with Vanja being out right now. In in my opinion, their set piece attack threat uh, in attack uh, goes down as well because Vanja is such a great header of the ball. And Trent and Robertson are the ones taking those corners and set pieces as well. So that sort of goes down uh, somewhat, given that Vanja is not playing. Uh, and uh, in defense as well, right? The set piece defending is something that I'm worried about. Vanja is so good, mm. and Liverpool play a very risky. Uh, sort of game right high line pressing oriented and vanjik actually covers two-thirds of the pitch in that defense that's why that's what actually allows robo to bomb, bomb forward, forward so much he's he's licensed to move ahead so much on that side of the pitch is because vanjik is covering that side of the pitch now i wonder if he's pulled back a little if he has to show some more restraint than usual because vanjik is not going to be playing uh right now so that is something i'm worried about where, where are you on uh, Trent versus Robertson at the moment, I, if you had to pick one between the two.
1: I would uh, go with Trent and I've got the stats up here for defenders. Now, in terms of chances created, only Dean and Cresswell have created more chances than T.A. And this is keeping in mind the first game week, he really wasn't really up to it. He created almost nothing that week. Even in terms of shots, that's not here in this table here, but he, I think he's even taken more shots than Robo. So, T.A. is going nowhere for me. I still think T.A. and Robertson are pretty much attacking midfielders for the amount of attacking output they offer.
0: Yeah, but I, I, my thinking is changing now, if I had to pick one. The only thing I'm worried about is if, what I mentioned earlier, if Robo has to show some restraint and in attacks. Exactly, now so that that's what Panjik right. in... So, I
1: think the next two weeks, we can see how how far, how are they attacking as much, or are they been told to defend? I think the next two weeks will give us a good idea.
0: Yeah, because what was happening otherwise, I think since restart, tactically, Liverpool have shifted around a few things. Hendo is playing on the right-hand side. And he's... Uh, occupying a lot of the spaces that trent used to occupy which got him those huge halls now trent is not getting those huge halls. also the quality i was talking to uh, fpl rhinos on twitter and his, his point was correct where uh, Trent's quality of delivery is so good that he is okay crossing in from deep because he's got that accuracy. Robbo is not that good, which is why Robbo is running past the and It's a very simple cutback for him to get those assists, which is why he's getting the higher volume. And he's also in the box a lot and he's shooting a lot more as well. So uh, if uh, Robbo continues to do what he's been doing so far this season, uh, then I think uh, Robbo over Trent... uh, is the play, but I mean we had a look at the fixture ticker as well, and until game week fifteen, Liverpool are sitting in the top three amongst defenses. So it is a long-term play where I don't expect them to concede goals for fun, like you mentioned. Fabinho is a good player, and uh, they aren't going to be rubbish. And Alisson isn't far away as well. I think yeah, he's end going of be the month. I think it's
1: end of the definitely. I think after the next international break, he's back. Yeah, so that's that's
0: not too much. And he's got two easy fixtures to set out until then. So yeah, I, I am with your assessment in terms of holding on to one of them at least, if not two.
1: Yeah, I think we can move on. All right, to the and then
0: which is defenders. I mean, a lot of people are asking what defenders to bring in. I think a lot of people are shifting around defenders. A lot of people are getting rid of one out of two Liverpool defenders at the moment. Uh, We had a friend of the pod, FPL Ferry, asking us uh, which three defenders would we bring in except for the Liverpool boys. Uh, We have Aman Gahoy asking us, uh, considering that easy fixture run, which Crystal Palace defender to choose? Uh, Will PVA start between... PVA, Chilwell and Regulin, which is the better prospect for the coming six weeks? Rova underscore FPL was asking us thoughts on the City defence, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, so, uh, 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 let's uh, open up the tickers off on yep, the screen I have, I have that and, here then, already. and we'll go team by team, let's starting start with Aston Villa. What do, you, what do you think about Aston Villa?
1: I've been so impressed. I think they've kept the most clean sheets along with Wolves, that's three clean sheets in their four games and they've done it with some attacking threat also. They have had a great transfer window. They've got a good goalkeeper, a settled defense. And the fixtures are really good. So, I think there's... Would you double up though? No, I don't think I would double up. But there's a question now to be asked whether you should go for one of the defenders or Martinez. Because traditionally, my rule is if a defender is cheaper than the goalkeeper, you always go for the defender because you have more chance of an attacking return. So, the, that's the decision to be made over there. Now, there's primarily, I think, two options. There's Consa and there's Target, who I know we liked from last year. Now, the thing with Kansa is, like, with Grealish winning so many free kicks, there's just balls being thrown into the box a lot more. So, I like I like Conza a lot. Target also has some, I think he took a few set pieces, as you mentioned. He also has some threat for opening play. So, I think both of them are good options.
0: If you had to pick between
1: one of them? Mm, I would probably say it's a, target. Tough, call. It's a tough call actually I would, there's not really much to split then the target they could say there's some threat with Neil Taylor when the fixtures are close but he likes target but target is a bit injury prone I remember he missed a few games last year Konza seems a lot more bulletproof alright so
0: you're on Konza I think I prefer him to target as well and that's mainly because i trust uh, the opinion of uh, our friends tom freeman and adam hawk who are both good fpl players and aston villa fans and they're watching villa we can win out so we can week out so they just think that villa like you mentioned Grealish wins a lot of set pieces so we go there just a little note here we are actually uh, looking at the defensive ticker and we sorted it until game week 15 because both of us believe that when you're looking at getting in defenders you're trying to get them in for the long run which is why we are looking at a more long-term picture Next on the tecker, we have Everton. Now, Everton have uh, impressed me a lot uh, in terms of defensive numbers as well. The only problem in that defence right now is Pickford. But uh, I, I don't think that's going to stop them from keeping a few clean sheets because the team in general is good. We have Allen and Dukuri shielding that defence as well. Both their defenders are also doing well. Uh, I actually, I think Dina is more expensive uh, is quite expensive at 6.1. Yeah, he's a good pick, especially with uh, James uh, playing a lot of these crossfield passes to Dina on that side. And we always see that Dina runs beyond the defence and then crosses it uh, to DCL, who's there for the tap-in. But I feel like uh, he's not worth his price because we have a few exciting options at 5.5, uh, who offer the same sort of uh, attacking threat as well as defensive threat. So uh, if I was going Everton, actually, I mentioned him in the earlier pod as well. Michael Keane is somebody uh, who I like for his price. He's 5.1. He's a decent threat on set pieces. He can uh, win a few bonus points as well. Uh, If I was going Everton, I'd go Michael Keane. In fact, I'm looking at him if I was to downgrade Trent at any point.
1: because yeah, A big appeal of Dean last year, at least, was his set pieces, right? He used to take their corners and free kicks. He doesn't do that anymore. And now I think the appeal of Keane is also enhanced because of how good Hamez's set-piece delivery is. Almost every time he's putting in a corner of free kick, they're getting a shot off. So I agree with you yeah. on Keane. I think he's a great option. Dinya, not for you? Not for me. And also, if you look at their fixtures, they're a bit of a mixed bag. I don't think they're as easy as they seam on paper. Now, you see, there's Southampton away, Newcastle away. Could be clean sheets, but both these teams are all right. Then there's United. Easy fixture. Fulham. Leeds, Burnley. So, it's not as easy as it seems on paper. In terms of clean sheets over the next six, I would say probably two. That's
0: true, actually. Yeah, Southampton and Newcastle. Southampton, United, I don't see them keeping clean sheets. Maybe Newcastle and Fulham, you're right, though. Worth waiting on. But again, you know, you're know, you bringing in a defender for the long term. and uh, Yeah, but Dinia doesn't. It just seems very expensive at this point. Uh, I mean, because especially now we have a nailed City defender. That's the third team on the fixture ticker who seems pretty nailed and costs 5.5, which is 0.6 million lesser than Dinya. He doesn't have as much attacking threat as Dinya does, but I expect uh, City to keep a few clean sheets. And uh, Ruben Dias has really impressed me in the past two games. I thought he's looked really good, really steady. Uh, I feel like uh, City put in a really impressive performance against uh, Arsenal. Yeah, they had a weird formation with Walker playing at center back. I don't know what was happening mm-hmm. there, but I think it was very specific to that game and Arteta and Pep outthinking each other and overthinking. Uh but Das looks good. I think like he's going to play all the games and at 5.5 he's going to be keeping a few clean sheets. Do you like that
1: pick? Yeah, I do. I think he's a bit like Laporte. On the surface, he looks a bit dull, but I think he's always going to be a bit of a threat at set pieces with how good De Bruyne's delivery is. And the only problem with City defenders, though, is that the, I would say if he's not going to get an attacking return, it's very unlikely he's going to get bonus. But they score so many goals. You're looking at six points week in, week out, which is a bit dull for me.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. And especially now, we have Rigollion, uh Chilwell and Semedo who offer a uh, good amount of attacking threat as well. But still, I, I like City because they're definitely going to be keeping uh, more clean yeah. sheets than all these other Especially teams. from so, game week
1: 10, their run is really good. The next four, probably, I wouldn't jump in. But the, from game week 10 is really good.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. And wh- what's your thought on Cancelo? A lot of people are looking at him right now. I, I don't see it. I don't see him as nailed. No, the Pep's fullbacks is a
1: nightmare. I wouldn't go near that.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And uh, just like to tell our listeners what happened this week was Walker played as centre-back and uh, because Laporte wasn't fit and Pep did something tactically which is beyond my understanding at the moment and Cancelo was sort of playing uh, midfielder on the right-hand side now uh, when the standard formation comes back I expect Walker to be playing on that right-hand side and which is why I'm not really sure if Cancelo is nailed Uh, so I I wouldn't go there at the moment especially because you don't like to spend transfers in defence. Exactly. Then, then, then we have Palace and Brighton. I mean, uh, they played out quite an anomaly of a game this weekend. It was uh, astonishing. The only reason I think uh, Brighton didn't score more goals is because of a certain player who I don't like, Neil Mope. So many times in that game, they he had the chance to play an incisive pass or shoot. Uh, and he didn't. There was this one point where he was. The goal was in front of him, and he decided to uh, dribble past yeah. the defender. And yeah. had no idea why he why, why he did that. That's that's one of the reasons why I don't quite like Neil Mappayasa because he's going to get a lot of chances, but he isn't as good a player as he looks to be because he does the right thing, but his decision making isn't terrible. Uh, right. I thought Brighton. Brighton could have had two or three goals in this game. Uh, he could have. There was this one uh, point in the game where he could have passed easily to Arik to Lamptey, who was who had the goal gaping in front of him again. He didn't pass. He just shot. And it was a terrible shot, which he took on the turn. So, that's the reason why they didn't score more goals. But uh, Brighton conceded zero shots and uh, conceded a very, very, very soft penalty. I thought it wasn't a penalty. I yeah. feel for them in that game. So, do you still like... I love Lamptey as a 4.4 option. I think he's a, a play in every game except for when they're paying the big six and I don't even mind playing him in those games because his attacking threat is very visible at the moment. What are your thoughts with the Brighton defence?
1: Lester, I'll just touch upon Palace first. I thought the thing with Palace is very strange. They always seem to grind out a clean sheet despite looking under the caution. But I think this year it's a little bit different. I mean, they had one shot all game that there was a penalty and then they just sat back after. I don't think this is a sustainable strategy with the quality of attack now and especially with the crowds gone how much teams are attacking forward. So even though the fixtures are great, I don't really like their clean sheet prospects very much. I wouldn't want... They've to... been doing
0: it for the past two, three years now. Man. I know. This is the Roy template. I mean, it Hotson just feels like, like,
1: you know, like Burnley, like in the Palace, it seems like now they're sort of reaching the end of the line of this with this strategy. I'm not that confident. If I had to pick one from their defence, probably Cahill. I think Van Anholt is too expensive. Guaita, yeah, I mean think, is probably the about... pick. I think just because of how friendly he is for bonus, he racks up saves. I like Guaita a lot in terms of keepers.
0: And Palace don't score that many goals. So he's on for Always bonus. Always on, a few on for time. bonus.
1: But in general, I think they're better teams to invest in. Like Mitchell, probably the appeal of Mitchell was his price, but I think he's going to sit out the next game. He had a difficult time against Brighton. So All now right. let's talk yeah, about. I, I, Sorry, go ahead.
0: I like, I, I like, I like Kehil as a peak. I don't see uh, what you see when it comes to Palace. I expect them to keep a clean sheet. One against the weaker teams for sure because that's how they play the game, and uh, that's what they're going to do. They're going to grind out a few results. Let's let's look at the fixtures Fulham clean sheet possible, Wolves away. You think away
1: clean sheet to Fulham? I'm not so confident. I don't know, I don't think it doesn't matter
0: because Palace are going to sit park and grander results. And the big thing there is that uh, Cahill is fit now. He is a much better defender than all the other options in that team, Mm -hmm. which is what even strengthens the case for the Palace defence. So, I I don't mind it as a 4.5 pick at all. I think you're going to get what you pay for. But let's go on.
1: Let's look at that. After Fulham away, they have Wolves away. I don't think there's a clean sheet. Wolves away? Maybe. Maybe maybe, Maybe. But then you have Leeds again a yeah. uh, tough fixture burnley away it tough fixture burnley away now burnley at home i know they kept a clean sheet last year both teams sort of cancel each other out newcastle obviously is a good one west brom yeah. and then spurs yeah see yes, i i, I see from. them
0: keeping i see them keeping two clean sheets out of burnley newcastle west brom as well so i'm ex- i'm expecting sort of three odd clean sheets in the next six and i think for 4.5 that's all right yeah, that's I that's my that's thinking right. with parl the good thing about them you know because they are very predictable you know what you're going to get out of that game
1: uh, so that's why I like it as a steady four point five option. Hmm. But do they have a uh, Cahill used to have attacking threat at Chelsea. I don't see him really having that much at corners over there, at Palace. I don't know what his role is. Palace,
0: there. Palace right now have no attacking threat. They have. I'm talking about set
1: piece threat, at least in terms of in, uh, in Chelsea, he used to score a lot of goals from corners. So I don't know if you see him doing that at Palace more. Dan, in fact, seemed to be winning most of the headers there.
0: Yep, yep. I'm just checking whether he scored any goals.
1: Nothing. Nothing mm-hmm. last season. Not he played so. 2100 minutes and no goals. No goals. See, that's what I was talking about. Now, now getting to Lamptey, I was much more keen on him initially. But from what I've seen, I'm not so confident in Brighton's clean sheet prospects. Now, we know the Stephen Cocker principle, right? He don't play a defender by a defender purely for the attacking prospects. Of it. So, Brighton, I think not so confident in their clean sheet prospects going forward. So, I'm not as bullish on Lamptey as you are.
0: But their defensive numbers are actually pretty good. Uh, they are and they were they good are, last year
1: as well. I mean, over the restart, I remember it was something strange. They had conceded the fewest shots in the box but or the fewest big chances and conceded the most goals. So Yeah,
0: so… I, I mean, I thought the Palace result was a freak result. They totally deserved a clean sheet there. And they have a few fixtures again where they can keep clean yeah, sheets. The fixtures you, for the next, in the next few, three, I they're facing. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. There's West Brom, there's Burnley, which I like, Villa not so much, a so few. So I think maybe the next yeah. six, maybe two clean sheets, three clean sheets.
0: And they're a good team, right? I mean, because they're going to keep more possession than usual, the chances for them cleaning are also higher. I mean, they dominated. Both our teams, uh, when they played against us, in terms of possession. So uh, I think they're going to. That's going to be the case when they play these slightly uh, average middling teams as well, where they're going to keep a whole host of uh, possession, which is where they're going to concede lesser chances. That's why I'm bullish on damti I think in my in my head, he's still the best 4.5 option to have at the moment.
1: I guess, but no, I think that it's something we can touch upon later. We, what do you think in terms of 4.5 versus 5.5? I think that's a discussion we can have at the end.
0: All right, all right. So the next team we have on the ticker, Newcastle, not interested. I
1: I don't even know why they're so high up in the ticker because you see they've got Wolves, Everton, Southampton, Chelsea in the next four. I guess maybe because of the later fixtures.
0: Maybe because of the later fixtures, probably. But just right now, I think possibly the worst defensive team in the league at the moment. I mean, they made us look so much better than we actually are uh in the previous game they decided to just not play park and they weren't even defending too much we had so much space bruno and uh mata were just playing around with that newcastle team uh and yeah, that's yeah, one of the reasons uh, uh i'm thinking about holding on to my Wolves assets despite Wolves not looking yeah encouraging yeah. but we'll touch on that, we'll touch on that later, later.
1: Southampton. Southampton. What's your thinking there? Are you still interested in them? It's a tough one because now I'm I'm actually doubled up on Southampton. I have McCarthy and Walker-Peters who did well for me in game week 3 and 4. But the fixtures actually get quite stiff from here on. You have Everton, Villa, Newcastle, Wolves, United, Brighton. I see one clean sheet, maybe two from those. Yeah, yeah. So, now, the thing with Walker-Peters is he's really attacking. Even away to Chelsea, I could see him getting into the box, taking a shot, creating chances. So, I'd like to look at it in isolation. I don't think my Walker-Peters is a bad pick at all at 4.5. And just because I own McCarthy, doesn't, it's not a reason that like you know I should necessarily look to move Walker-Peters on. Yeah, so, fair, enough, fair enough.
0: But are you looking to get rid of one of them in the next few?
1: I'm trying to get in a Wolves defender for the next few. So that I can cover those like fixtures, but I really don't know right now. I'm not prioritizing transfers in defense, so that he'll probably right. linger on.
0: Yeah, but I think like you, a lot of people started started the season with two uh, two Saints defenders. I think now is a good time if you don't have any other problems to jump on.
1: Uh, jump, jump off. off I agree. Saints. I, yeah. I would do that.
0: Yeah, West Ham next on the t- ticker. Oh, I was actually so surprised with their first twenty minutes of play against uh, Spurs. Actually, how they played the last 75 minutes of the game is how I expected how we the game expected to go. It, yeah. How we expected it. I just think uh, they were taken by surprise by Kane's beautiful pass in the first minute. And then Son is absolutely lethal right now. But that's it. I, I feel like uh, you shouldn't let those 20 minutes cloud how defensively good they have been so far this season. They're still top three defense in the league for shots in the box and big chances conceded. And they've got two, three good options uh, at priced at 5 million or cheaper. There's Masuaka and Kufal who are playing the wing backs on either side who look really nailed. I thought, uh, you know, Masuaka is somebody who have been talking about on all parts, but I thought Kufal had a really good game as well. He yes. was very attacking. He got in box more than Masuaku, if I remember the game correctly. And then there is Cresswell who's on set pieces as well. If, if I had to pick between these uh, options, I just like the fact that uh Maswaku's on an average, we've seen him to be a decent player. He's created six chances. He's playing very high up the pitch. He's got more touches in the final third than the very popular Ailing and Dallas duo who've been talking about because of their attacking return. And I feel like they're defensively more stable than most of these other teams. So I really like masuoko at that 4.5 press. Is there anyone you prefer out of the three?
1: For me, it's clearly Cresswell. I think because it's a David Moyes team, right? They're always going to rely a lot on set pieces for their goals. You have mm-hmm. your Suchek. And your other big guys over there. And Cresswell's delivery is really good. So, for me, it's Cresswell head and shoulders above the other two.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I don't mind that pick as all, at all. I think he's a decent pick at 5 million. Uh, then there's your there's your boys, Chelsea. who got some de- pretty decent fixtures in the next uh, few weeks. Especially from a defensive standpoint. I mean, after United, they have Burnley,
1: Sheffield and Newcastle. I see two clean sheets here. Are you interested in Chilwell? I am interested but the problem is now with Chelsea. Defensively, we are very hard to read now. Last year, as Lampard himself quoted in his press conference, only Man City conceded fewer shots than us but we conceded as many away goals as Norwich. Now, that is absolutely shocking and I don't think it's very easy to scapegoat Kepa. And Kepa sort of become like, you know, the figurehead, the person, everyone's, like the symbolic, symbol is, whatever you say, like, you know, the, the one everyone likes to blame. But I don't think he's the cause of it. I think it's more of a system issue which Lampard is failing to address. Our midfield is getting overrun on every counter-attack. So, for me and personally, Kante I wouldn't is not offering enough protection? I don't think, I think no, he's not- the, the, Kante is not being played in his right position. He doesn't have the right partner alongside him. I mean, I'm not a football expert or a manager, so I can't tell you what... But I really want clean sheets. For me, Antonio Conte, his style, like, you know, grind out the 1-0, 2-0. I was watching the video of Conte's from earlier. And he was very clear about that. When you win with a clean sheet, that's what gives the team confidence. And now the comments you see from Havertz and Werner also after the game, I think Werner said something that defense wins you titles. I don't know how we conceded six goals, blah, blah, blah. So that confidence is really shakes up the entire team. So I wouldn't go near our defense personally.
0: I'm, I'm surprising because I actually like Chilwell the most amongst the 5.5. I mean, 5, it's, it's only Chilwell.
1: Uh, I think you could, uh, there are a lot of people who are asking about Zuma, Thiago Silva, in I wouldn't go near those guys at all. If you do want to get an attacking defender, let's say you want to downgrade TA to somebody attacking, then I would probably go for Chilwell.
0: Yeah, I, it, it's a fixture play in my head. And I think... Uh, they will start to keep clean sheets because the game where Thiago Silva actually played, you all looked... It was Palace, but exactly. you all looked... You really, can't really say anything against didn't... Palace.
1: They showed no ambition whatsoever. But those are the kind of teams
0: your guys are going to be playing. And now, you know, all the good guys are playing for Chelsea. So, you're, you guys are going to keep a majority. Lots of possession, a lot of the ball uh, because the good guys are back in the team. The only only problem is, like you mentioned, Lampard. But... Uh, one other factor that i like to mention here is that that left side is going to be a little overloaded. Now Pulisic is going to be playing there. Werner, we know, likes to drift in. But Chilville is Absolutely. He, he reminds me of Alonso from two years back in terms of the sheer attacking presence he has in the box. So many times uh, when there is a cross also from the right-hand side, Chilwell is in the box to take a shot. So I quite like that. I think he's bombing forward in terms of attack. And now we're going to have Hakim Zaj playing on that right-hand side. And we all know about his deep cross and how good he is from the right-hand side, which is one of the reasons why I'm looking at Chilwell even more. I like him. I think, in fact, mm. uh, it, it's between Dias and him for the 5.5 million uh, options. And if I had to pick one, I'd go Chugel. I just like that pick. Hmm. That's
1: that's a fair point. But just keep in mind, against Southampton, he got a bit more room than he usually would because of how forward Kyle Walker, Peter was getting.
0: So. Fair enough. Fair enough. But even in the previous game, he was he was pretty further forward. That that, that, but that, that was before? Palace. Palace, I mean, yeah. What's yeah. going to so, be yeah. interesting but...
1: is the next game against Manu. how he does the games against Spurs. Stuff like that. I want to see how much freedom he's given.
0: Yeah, but before this first game, he's got Burnley, Sheffield and Newcastle. Newcastle. I I like his odds. I mean, I see a double-digit haul in that game and a clean sheet. Yeah, why not?
1: I hope so. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. All right, moving on to Leeds. Uh, Now, this is a a team that has been splitting opinions in terms of the defensive ability. Any thoughts? Right now, we'll just talk about the defenders, who you prefer between Ailing and Dallas and whether you like the Leeds defense.
1: It's a bit strange because we have two contrasting stats, which we'll get into later on in the pod. But in terms of Ailing versus Dallas, I still prefer Ailing. I think from open play, his average positions are much better. And I still think after 4.5, they offer decent value.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk in terms of Dallas is going to play a few games out of position. But I I saw the Wolves-Leeds game yesterday. And Ailing just seems like the better player in terms of quality he has, in terms of the shots he was taking, in terms of the risks he was taking, in terms of how often he was getting onto that side in terms of the quality of his crosses I thought he's just a quality player and he looks much better than Dallas and if I was to pick a Leeds defender, I'm quite uh, still split. I mean, a lot of people were talking about the Wolves-Leeds game and how Leeds did not give a sniff to Wolves in the first half. It's exactly how Nuno wanted this game to play out. And uh, Leeds, Leeds did look a little tired and shaken in the second half. And uh, Wolves got more than a few chances in the second half. And I thought they played really well. I thought this is exactly... Uh, Nuno would have said at the 90th minute that this is how the game went. And it went according to plan. This is exactly how I wanted it to go. So uh, I'm not really sure about the Leeds' defense Yes, because they... Wolves had a few good chances, not like, you know, small chances. They had pretty big chances. So uh, I'm not yet confident about that least defense. But if I we had to pick one and based on attacking threat, a is the one that mm-hmm. I like. over there. Like I
1: think it's more of a case of don't buy, don't sell with that assets. I wouldn't be yeah. rushing in to buy A-Link for sure.
0: I agree. I agree. Coming to Wolves now, because that's that's the defensive unit that I really like. I really liked what I saw from them from a defensive standpoint yesterday. They were, Leeds put a lot of pressure on Wolves and they were a defensively stubborn unit who defended well. Uh, also combined with the fact that Leeds quite, Leeds just didn't show enough quality in the final third. I think that's because of the players that they have. But Wolves uh, were able to sustain and defend that pressure off. And there are a few options emerging. We might have a 4.0 million defender coming out of Wolves. I saw the game, Kilman. Uh, uh, he played really well. He was man of ma- officially the man of match in the game as well. And uh, based on merit and his performance the last two games, when uh, Marcel or uh, the other young kid that's playing on no that really. side come, yeah, uh, I am not sure if Size is going to get that position in centre-back again. And, I, and a lot of people are talking about size and jumping onto that pick. I'm just... My, my thinking with defenders is you need to be 100% certain when you're picking a defender in terms of Neil us We were having a conversation earlier in the day and you were looking at size as an option and I was like, I just don't like that pick right now because I don't know his... I'm not 100% sure he's going to keep his position in the team given Kilman's performance and he's not a natural wing-back. Like, I thought he was personally struggling in the game against Leeds. He could have had a goal in assists but you don't look at you don't judge the fpl returns that he could have gotten in that game is he going to keep his position in the team and that is something i'm worried about so uh, i wouldn't go near size. i wouldn't pick him still because i'm not sure if he's going to keep his position but kilman is somebody i'm very very interested in Formula. if 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 the fpl gods are gifting us a formulin Wolves defender you must jump
1: yeah and i think we got uh, we had somebody one of our listeners was kind enough to listen to the podcast from tim spears thanks jigar for that so for a little background on Spears, this is the guy I messaged on Twitter before the first deadline asking him whether who's going to start at left wing back, Marsal or Vinagre. And he was very clear that it's going to be Marcel and he was right. So I take what he says with Wolves as pretty much gospel. Yeah. And he's quite keen on Kilman. He's Killman. the
0: athletic correspondent for uh,
1: Wolves as, for as Wolves, we understand. Yep, yeah. yeah, exactly. So he thinks Kilman is nailed as can be. So it's his shirt to lose now. He needs to either get injured or have like two or three horror shows for him to be out of the team. So that's that's as much endorsement as I need to invest, really. Now size is an interesting one because you look at him, he doesn't really look like a wing back, does he? He looks like your rugged typical big centre back. So over the last two games playing at left wing back, he has created one chance in one eighty minutes. So there's definitely some lack of attacking output on that side and now I don't know now it's interesting because the next two fixtures are against teams that are probably going to sit deeper they're going to need a bit more creative edge from him so I don't know. now know Ma- Marcel is-
0: came on Marcel came on in the previous game so I won't be surprised to see him starting this game that's why I want to judge
1: Okay, did Marcel come on for size it? or for somebody else he came on for somebody else. They added on an extra defender. I added on extra defender. defender. That's what I thought. So now see, the tricky thing is now Marcel doesn't really offer much going forward himself. He is also essentially a left centre back. And the thing is, this Nuri kid is quite young. I don't think he's going to be thrown in straight away. So I do think, despite his lack of attacking potential and terms of chances created, I think Sais's spot is safe for the next four or five games. Fair, fair,
0: fair I, enough. I just feel like when it comes to that Marcel versus Size conversation, uh, I think Nuno might go for a... I think uh, Leeds was a different sort of game. That's why I didn't throw Marcel in this game. I, I won't be surprised if we see Marcel starting the next game because he's just naturally... He's a more natural wing back. That's all. I, I don't. I when I see Saiz play, playing in that wing back position, he just doesn't look right in that position to me. So I'm, I'm worried about that pick at the moment. That's fair. right, let's talk talk about uh, Spurs and Arsenal. Both good teams. Both uh, fairly interesting from a defensive standpoint as well. Uh, What are your thoughts on Regulon? I put in a beautiful cross for Kane against uh, West Ham.
1: What are your thoughts there? I think Regulon is a decent pick. I think, but their fixtures, I think they're good for the next three. But I think the best fixtures are actually behind them. I don't think that, like, let's look at who they're playing next. I'm just looking for Spurs here. Uh, Spurs. Arsenal. They've
0: got Burnley, Brighton, and West Brom, and so then they have City, Chelsea, Arsenal.
1: Yeah, see, so the City, Chelsea, Arsenal again—that kind of puts me off because you're playing for attacking returns over there. So I wouldn't go exactly. near Regulon yet. And I I think he's pretty nailed in terms of what he offers. On terms of in terms of he's a huge upgrade on Davies. Davies will probably be used in the Europa League more. But I think in terms of fixtures, the next few are good, but long term the outlook isn't as great. So I wouldn't go there yet.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 so my thinking is with Mourinho, right? You don't really uh, a good fixture, a tough fixture is not really a bad fixture because Mourinho is the king of uh, you know seeing off such games. But That's my problem point. with Spurs, my my problem with Spurs is that the weakest, uh, well, which are the weakest spots in that team, they've upgraded their wing backs. Both look decent. They've upgraded their midfield. Holberg is providing a decent enough uh, protection to he's, the defense. Yes, he's a, he's and, been a great
1: transfer for them. Great
0: transfer, playing so well, shielding that defence. But my problem is with the centre-backs of the team. Now, Toby is the only centre-back who I rate in that team. Uh, Eric Dyer hasn't cut it for me, uh, doesn't cut it for me. And I don't rate uh, Davinson Sanchez as an elite-tier defender as well. That's my problem with the Regalion pick. Uh, And that's why I prefer Chilwell to Regalion because he's got better fixtures. Uh, I rate Thiago Silva uh, as a defender. And I don't rate the Spurs centre-backs. That's my thinking.
1: Yeah, I think you've mentioned it over here on our notes that you like Ch- Chilwell over Regulon, who you like yeah. over Dean. I think I'd agree with that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, the only person who tempts me instead of Chilwell is uh, Dias at the moment. But uh, it's just more fun to pick somebody who has some attacking threat as well. Oh. This is a little under the radar uh, pick flying, uh, and uh, our friend uh, from the chat, the hungry man, brought brought him to my attention. And that's Bellerin uh, because he's playing as a wing back, and Arteta sort of is playing. He's, he's sort of a glorified Son Dash in terms of how he's setting up his team. It's a defence first approach. This, so what's your thinking with the Arsenal defence?
1: I do think they have they're much more solid defensively under Arteta, and the fixtures aren't as bad. You have Leicester who are completely all over the shop right now. United, they'd probably concede. Then you have Villa, Leeds, Wolves, Spurs, Burnley, Southampton. And I think at 5 million, that's a decent pick.
0: Yeah, very. And they got a few games where I see a few clean sheets. Yes. That's a good pick. The, I just, I'm just, i just not sure about Bellarine's attacking threat because Arsenal themselves are just not creating... Too much. uh, That's true. When it comes to attacking impetus, so I I wish Saka was a defender this season as well because he's really impressed me. Uh, In fact, he looks uh, the sharpest and the most threatening Arsenal player in attack from what I've seen so far. I thought he had a really good game uh, this weekend as well, uh, last weekend as well, and uh, he's just impressing me. Great player, great player, big, big, big future. I agree. So just, uh, I mean, we've spoken about all the options. Uh, that are there in the premium premium bracket who's your most favorite pick at the moment
1: probably Chilwell of the lot but probably there's, no, there's well. nobody that really really I feel like you know seasons past you've gone at Doherty and be like oh I really need this guy this guy is a set and forget in my team I think besides TA there's nobody I really look at that where I think that I, ro- I need to own and Robertson and, and, and uh, Robertson uh, of course but there's nobody this season who really jumps out that I need to own this guy
0: Uh, What about Semedo? Semedo is somebody you suggest. I'm happy sticking along wolves. I'm happy sticking. I think he
1: needs a little bit more time to get settled. I don't think he was attacking too much the last game, but that might have been a tactical thing. I'm more interested to see how he does against these two weaker teams next, Palace and Newcastle. I'm very happy to hold him. I see
0: no reason to shift him out at the moment. Definitely no reason to hold him. I think he's a great pick. Who's your favorite from the budget defenders? Five million or lesser.
1: Five million or lesser. Let me think. Hmm.
0: Uh, probably the Villa, the
1: Villa lads. I think in terms of the, purely because of the fixture play, Konsa. Fair and enough. And what about Burnley? Burnley doesn't interest you still? Let me have a look at Burnley's fixtures again. I don't think, yeah, the fixtures next are Spurs, Chelsea, Brighton, Palace, City, Everton, Arsenal. So that's probably one clean sheet in the next seven, so No.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. For me, the picks to have in the 4.5 bracket are Lampty and one of the Villa boys. And I'm quite interested in uh, Michael Keane as a family. It's a shame well. that
1: Sheffield aren't on the radar anymore. Like they were last year, they were pretty much Baldock, Stevens. They were pretty much set and forget picks.
0: Yeah, my, my, my issue, the, the problem is that they lost to O'Connell, who is, uh, according to the fans, their best defender. And it's a, it's a huge loss to that team. And they are clearly struggling in defense, which is visible also. Uh, Wilder's tactics were sort of new, right? And now mm. people have seen Sheffield and adapting and learning how to play against them, So, which is a factor there. And they have Liverpool, City and Chelsea in the next three games. Troubling times for that team at the moment. Do, do, do you see Wilder pulling them out of the mess? Because I rate the manager. I think he's a really good manager. What are your thoughts there?
1: I think they won't get relegated, but they they won't hit anywhere near the heights of last season. They won't get relegated purely because I think there are three teams worse than them. Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: All right, moving on to the next hot topic, which is Kane versus the other strikers. We've got a flurry of questions in terms of whether people want to go for Kane, what about Aguero. We have FPL SOS asking us, while everyone's jumping on Kane, who's owned by 31% of the game, is there merit in opting for Aguero, who's uh, owned only by 1.7% of the game? Uh, The same question can be asked for Son versus Sterling. And the next question he asks is, now, if you were to go for kino or would you lose? DCL, Ings or Jimenez? All, all three of them have decent fixtures and have done well so far. Uh, another uh, question is from Rishi Seigal, underscore 96. Is it okay to rip your team up for Spurs? Some managers have Jimenez, Sterling and Trent. That's me as well, Rishi. Playing against weak teams in the next two. Uh, and we have MJ, FPL Fanatics, who had a great season last year. Uh does Timo to Kane have merits despite both hauling this game week? Felt like I've gotten away by having Timo so far. But is Kane a more consistent option? What are your, th- what
1: are your thoughts there? There's a qu- quote from Wayne Gretzky I really like. That's, skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it has been. So... There's an argument to be made that you've possibly missed the boat in terms of Spurs, big hauls so far. But I don't think it necessarily applies in this situation because you look at Kane and the underlying numbers he's producing. Now, we've got the striker stats up here. He's uh, second to sh- for shots in the box only to Calvert-Lewin and Mitrovic. In terms of big chances, he is second only to Calvert-Lewin. And in terms of shots on target, he's the best in the league. So... In terms of shots, he's the best in the league. So, these are are the numbers we used to see from Kane back in the day. Now, Sam mentioned this in her article for the scout that the signing of Hoiberg has allowed Kane to really, like, not have to drift deep as much. So, he's able to get into more attacking positions. So, whether you should rip up your team or not is really a very difficult question. Now, this question is going to be asked with different players at different situations this season because there are just so many good options. You can't really have them all and today you could have Kane who's firing next. We could have City who's firing, then you have Chelsea who's firing. So I think it's to a certain extent that you can really pick and stick with who you've got. Now would you need to do you need to sell Sterling to get Kane? I don't think so. But someone would like you him, sell Werner to get Kane? Again that's a tough one. Again, that's a purely a fixture play. Now you look at the next two. Now Werner plays United and Burnley. I don't see as many returns now for Werner as I do for Kane now, who has Brighton and Burnley and then West Brom after. So, I would shift Werner to Kane, yes.
0: His fixtures aren't that bad. If you There's United. and there's, I actually wouldn't be surprised if he gets a goal against United as well because I yes. don't think we are defensively looking
1: good at all at the moment. And then there's Burnley, Sheffield and Newcastle. They're not looking like good defences. Mm, that's me. true. So it's a very tough one really there's no reason to add. so this is the same discussion we were having earlier regarding sterling there's no reason to sell sterling there's no reason to sell Werner, but you just want kane and this is a situation i guess we have to learn a lot of self-control over this season because you really can't have them all
0: and i think i don't think this is the first time we're going to face this issue as well I, i'm struggling with it because uh, i have mns and uh, the problem I have, the, the only way I I definitely am not selling Timo Werner for Harry Kane because I feel like uh, the shrewd move is to hold on to your Chelsea assets right now because the big boys are finally coming. The the team that we anticipated Chelsea to be, is it's happening now. And I thought they had a really good first half against seeing A lot of good interplay. They were all over Southampton in that first half. Uh, and I expect them to have such good spells in the next few games as well. The, the thing with Kane though is there is no logical... Rational reason to have him. He he looks unplayable at the moment. He's got assist threat, goal threat, pens. We all know about that. And he's not even taking that many shots from uh, inside the box. If he took shots from inside the box, I, expected, I would expect all of them to go him. Because the shots he's taking from outside the box are so, so good at the moment. He just... Uh, Feels like he's at the seems like he's at the peak of his powers, and so I'm struggling with that decision. Cause if I were to get Kane, I need to sell uh, Jimenez for him. Now, if it was a straight up move to sell Jimenez for Kane, despite Jimenez's uh, good fixture this week, I'd do it. Uh, but in my case, I have to either downgrade a Raheem Sterling or a Timo Werner or a Trent Alexander Arnold, who all have uh, pedigree and decent fixtures uh, to. Make that switch, and I don't know if uh, it's viable. Uh, mm. You know, so that's that's the only thing. It's very specific to your team. If you have an easy route to get Kane at the moment, get him. Uh, and uh, you know, there's this question also about Aguero versus Kane. Now, I I am the biggest lover of Sergio Aguero there is, and I'm still struggling with this and not getting him uh, at the moment because there are so many arguments against him. You know, are City going to play? Is Aguero going to play? 3 games a week right now with uh, Jesus not playing they have Champions League every midweek at the moment. Uh, that said when you have a Sergio Aguero at 10.4 million it's the cheapest he's ever been. Under 2% ownership we're talking about the most explosive asset in the game right now. Uh, and uh, if on this podcast if I was to recommend you to you know go for an Aguero over Kane it would be the wrong thing to do because Kane is already at the peak of his powers. Uh, but the thing I'd like to address here is sometimes you play this game for fun. Sometimes you do have love affairs and attachments with a few players. I was having a, a conversation with my wife yesterday while we were just chilling and watching the television and I was telling her that I'm having this dilemma in my head where Kane is doing really well. He's at the pick of his powers. And then there's Aguero. This is a head versus heart decision. She said, go ahead. Have fun. He's your guy. He served you well. What's the worst that will happen? you lose a few points, but he's your guy. So sometimes you play this game for fun. And if you have that... Uh, love affair with a certain Sergio Aguero, do it. Because he's not a bad pick, Aguero. Uh, he's he's just not as good a pick on paper as Kane right now. So that's that's my situation there. At the moment, I haven't made up my mind in terms of what to do. Every hour, my opinion changes. But the logical, rational, correct thing on paper to do is to get Kane. But I wouldn't sell uh, a Werner for it. Uh, I would sell an Ings or a, a Jimenez. Ings doesn't have uh, that many good fixtures at the moment and Kane definitely has better fixtures. So I would sell an Ings or a Jimenez if it was a straight up move, and if the compromise wasn't too big. But uh, if you're compromising too many things, then hold on.
1: I would agree with that.
0: Yeah, that's that's my thing. There's no easy answer.
1: I mean, people have been questioning us, asking us for a straight yes or no answer. There's no really straight (laughs) yes or no. This is the definite thing to do.
0: And this is not the first time we're going to uh not have these difficult moves right now. I mean, all the all the big hitters came through this weekend. Uh, I mean, uh the reason I got 91 points without Spurs assets shows you what the the course of the season is going to be in terms of there's a lot of good assets. I mean, you're we talking about players like Mane, uh, who has had fabulous numbers who's look really good, and he's still under 10% ownership. So there's this Going to be so many options this season so it depends on your team if the compromise is not too big go for kane because he is a really good pick but if the compromise is uh big then wait and watch that also depends
1: saying. on your style like you said like you know if you want to be more aggressive then Aguero is definitely the more aggressive higher ceiling play
0: exactly two percent ownership but yeah see we'll we'll actually move into the next uh segment because i think that addresses this as well which is how polarizing this season can be and how to deal with it because a lot of people are also getting affected in terms of mental health and everything we've had this conversation earlier as well we had this question from fpl batman there was talk at the start of the season about the sheer number of big hitters available is this now playing out in form of massive hauls from all directions and us finding ourselves being in a position where it's impossible to own off all of them how do you deal with this hindu monkey also asked this is a, He He agreed with the question and he said, I would echo this. As we've already seen with so many big scores this week, if you're at the wrong end of them, it's crippling. The swings are enormous. Will this continue? And uh, we have uh, Stadium of Sports asking us. Thank you, by the way, Stadium of Sports. He did a really nice review on our podcast this week on Twitter. So shout out to you. He's asked us, mental health is very important for me. Could you talk about what you do when you have bad weeks? I think it's very helpful to the community. I remember on a previous podcast, you mentioned talking to your father over dinner and he gave you advice. Be great to your mom. What's your thinking in terms of the polarizing
1: season and how do you deal with this? Uh, one decision I made this season was not to play in any cash mini leagues. and I think that has helped me cope with it a lot better because there's no tangible loss or any tangible gain earlier if i was in a mini league i see guys who are like you know if i was in second or third position i'd also sort of to my extent alter my strategy according to those guys like let's say if somebody in the first spot he owned kane i'd probably not buy him so i think it's helped me cope with it a lot better because i look at it primarily as a game it's a game of probability i look at it as something that provides me engagement and escape especially with today Everything that's going on outside, in terms of work, in terms of the pandemic and everything, so I don't, I, I don't really get upset in terms of a Green Arrow, or if I do badly or not. It's just ultimately I want some engagement, and like my players all delivered, so I still had a good weekend in terms of watching football, and I'm not really upset about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we've been playing this game for almost ten years now, and you need to. I mean, uh, we can't be sitting here and telling everybody else not to take it so seriously. But that is the truth of it. You don't take it so seriously because it's a game. And Mm -hmm. uh, if it seems to be bothering you, you can, uh, you know, I feel like you can tailor your strategy around that. Now, if you think you have the capacity to uh, go for a differential like Aguero and uh, deal with the fact that uh, Kane, who's owned by half the game and everybody on social, uh, getting a hat-trick and Aguero getting a blank. If you think you have the capacity to deal with that, then go for the explosive differential uh, pick because it depends on your personality as well and uh, whether you're thick-skinned enough to deal with something like that. And if you don't, then then play the numbers. Kane is a great pick and there is no reason to not go with the crowd. And uh, you won't really feel bad if a Sergio Aguero who's a differential horse because he's not owned by that many people in the game. So you need to tailor your game as well depending on your personality style and whether you get affected by these things. But just don't don't get affected by it too much. Just remember it's a game. Uh And that's all there is to it. And this is not going to be the last time uh, this is going to happen. We're going to face a lot of polarizing weeks just because of the sheer scale of options that are there in this game. Now, I really like that as an FPL manager because there are so many more opportunities to gain uh, an advantage over the crowd. Yeah, it can go against you, but I just find it very interesting in terms of the FPL season that's going to play out. So, yeah, don't take it. And and another point. Another point that I like to play is just make sure you have another hobby. Like, let's say you had a shitty game week and someone popular has uh, scored a hat-trick and you don't own him. Just switch off from your socials. Watch something you like. Spend some time with your friends or family. Like, make sure you have other hobbies. Just switch off. It's it's as simple as that. And when you wake up the next day, the damage isn't uh, there in terms of mental health. So, just switch off that night. So, somebody
1: asked, do you enjoy football less or more with FPL? What's your perspective?
0: Definitely more. And that's that's because I mean
1: that's why we continue if to I play. Think, if I that's what I when I saw the question, I said if I enjoyed it less, I'd stop playing right away. So pretty simple. Yeah, answer. this
0: happened to me. So so if I'm talking about you know my FPL history as well, there were two seasons where I you know had three back to back seasons where I had really good seasons, and then I started to think that oh I'm I'm Mr. Know It All, and I uh, there's no way I can do bad in this game or whatever. And you start to think uh, in an incorrect manner. And then I had a season where I uh, finished at 50,000 and that's the best uh, season I had in terms of learning because you learn to laugh at yourself. You learn to realize that it's a game. Don't really take yourself so seriously or just making some predictions which are uh, based on a fair amount of luck and some of them are coming through. We just, it's, 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 it's sort variance. of a nitro boost. You can be bull. on the wrong
1: end of variance on any week. I mean, yeah, you, think about it as it's happened to you. a nitro in boost fact, that helps
0: you enjoy the game.
1: It's happened to That's you, it. I think, in week four. You were on the wrong end of variance with those Semedo chances, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So,
0: yeah. And, and I'm sitting here, podding, smiling, putting a smile on my face. And I'm really enjoying it. Because I like, it's just football, right? We like talking about football. We like talking about sport. And I don't take this so seriously. I understand that people might get affected, especially with so much exposure to social media. So switch off would be my advice. If you're having a bad week and can't handle it. But just realize it's a game.
1: Absolutely should we move on to the team discussion oh. touch on wolves
0: yes yeah let's touch on wolves so we spoke about the
1: defenders earlier what
0: are, what are your th- thoughts on uh, their attacking options for potence and Jimenez?
1: so i'll just share some stats which we have over here in terms of minutes per chance created i think they are ranked seventh which is quite poor now again now going back to the podcast with jigger was kind enough to like share with us the contents are now. He mentioned that the first half of games now wolves are not committing players to attack. They're just focusing on not conceding, absorbing the pressure, and only in the second half are they really starting to commit men forward. So I think that'll change a little bit given the next few opponents. Palace and Newcastle, we should see an uptick over there. And for some strange reason he's not been playing triori as much as last season. I think he was benched for the two games in a row now. I don't know what's happening there. Maybe this was because he played some minutes for Spain. So In terms of attack, the numbers really aren't very good, but they weren't very good last year either. They weren't this bad, but they weren't really that good last year either.
0: Yeah. You wouldn't go for Yeah. Jimenez is a case of a, don't buy for sure in my head. Jimenez stats in
1: particular, I'll just show you his stats now. He's taken 15 shots in five matches. He was ranked seventh. He's ninth for big chances. That's four. He's eighth for shots on target, which is six. And he's created one chance all year. Last year, he created 42 chances. Only Firmino created more. That's in 32 games. And he was top amongst all forwards for shots. That's 96. So, there's definitely something off there, don't you think? It's it's
0: team chemistry, right? I mean, he was used to having a lot of link-up play and interplay. I think Doherty is somebody who's really missing, yeah. Doherty and Jota, I mean, he's played with these players for a long time, right? And now you're linking up with new players. It takes time for team chemistry to build. But I, uh, I'll i tell you what, though. Like, uh, I don't mind holding on to him right now, especially given the performance of Newcastle that we saw uh, against United. And, uh, you know, they have had spells where they played really good football. I thought for 30-odd minutes against uh, Leeds, they played really good football. I thought in Sprouts against uh, Man City, they played really good football. So there is potential and I, don't, I see value in holding on. They have good fixtures for the next few games, if I remember. They have yeah. Newcastle at home, Crystal Palace at home, Leicester away and Southampton at home. I, I, I can see Jimenez getting two or three goals in these games. I, I can see him getting a goal and an assist in the next game against Newcastle because of how poor they are. So uh, I'd be not inclined to sell them, sell... Uh, Jimenez so soon and then about Podence as well. The only issue I, I have with Podence is his minutes uh, because of the threat to rotation that you mentioned mm. in terms of Traore. Uh, but what I've seen of him and I think I have a feeling that Nuno recognizes he's, he's just a really good player. I thought he was uh, growing into the game. In the second half, the first 25-30 minutes before he got supped off, he was Wolves' most dangerous player. He looked really sharp. He could have had a brace in terms of the chances he had against that Leeds team yesterday as well. So, I'm very happy to be patient with him and give him that Newcastle game. Uh, Yeah, there's a chance he could be benched. But at 5.5, that ceiling is pretty good for Podence in that game. So, I wouldn't sell him just yet.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Fair enough.
0: And I feel like they will grow. I feel like they will grow. The chemistry is developing. I'm seeing more and more with Wolves
1: at the moment. So, yeah. Tim Spears also said that you think it's going to take a while for the team to just blend in with all these new guys. Neto, Podence... Simedo what are your thoughts
0: on Leeds now that's the next team we are going to be focusing
1: on mm. now let's I've got the defensive stats over here The no team has conceded more shots in the box than Leeds but they've conceded only nine big chances that's the same number of as Wolves so it's a bit of a strange read over there in terms of attack I still like Bamford I think he's continue to keep getting chances I think in that sub six million price bracket he's probably the outstanding pick I was hoping somebody in their midfield becomes a good option, but I just don't see it at the moment. It seems really spread out in terms of the opportunities and the chances they create. Do you like anyone? Yeah, in I saw the game in particular.
0: I mean, uh, uh, if Rodrigo was nailed, I'd like him because I thought he looked uh, uh, like the most dangerous attacker in terms of quality. With Lee's the thing is. Uh, the, from the game yesterday, from what I could gauge, I thought the wing backs, Ealing and Dallas, looked as attacking as their wingers, mm. uh, because of just how far they push up. So if I were to be interested in a league pick at the moment, it'd be those wing backs and nobody else. I feel like with time though, uh, Rafinha and Rodrigo, who are quality players who know where the where the back end of a goal is, uh, they might emerge as standout picks uh, just because of the quality of the players they are. But it will take some time because we know how uh uh training driven uh Bielsa's team is at the moment and I'm not really I'm put off by Bamford also if I'm uh, fairly honest because the goals the attacks seem to be spread and I, mm. I just feel like you know we're talking about Costa or uh, Bamford I feel like they don't have that much quality in the final third at the moment to take advantage of so many chances that they have so if I were to be interested in the Leeds player right now I'd be looking at the wingbacks and I'd wait for a Rafinha or a Rodrigo to emerge who are known qualities and you know they have a certain skill set where they can finish off the chances that the team is created
1: it's a really shame in midfield there's nobody because I know we had our eyes on Harrison early on but I don't think he can be relied upon week in week out
0: in the game yesterday he wasn't in the box at all he was just holding the line and crossing it in in fact Dallas was making more runs uh, inside the box than uh, Harrison at the moment so yeah I'm I'm a bit put off from their attacking assets. they look great they are fun to have but there, there isn't a standout pick at the moment.
1: But I'm also struggling to read now whether they're a good fixture defensively or a poor fixture based on the last two games now. They've restricted both City and Wolves to one goal each. So, are they really a team when I look at Leeds, do I look at it as a good defence fixture or do I look at it as a tough game? What do you think? Uh, as in… Uh, do you think… Do you think that, like, let's say like you have now somebody playing Leeds. Do you think that that's a captainable fixture?
0: It is a cap. I, th- I feel like uh, teams with quality will be able to take advantage of uh, when they are playing Leeds. Again, we saw the City game. City had a lot of chances. There. It's just that they were tired. I thought Wolves had four or five decent openings in the second half as well. Uh, it is a captainable fixture for the really premium teams. Now that that said, I wouldn't captain uh, maybe a United player, but if a, a Liverpool sort yeah, of of course we said decent is- teams. Yeah, (laughs) just people who are uh, going to control position. I feel like if a United is playing Leeds, I'd I'd worry that uh, United would just crumble under pressure because our defenders are so useless at the moment, you know. Uh, And I don't know if you're capable of absorbing so much pressure like a Wolves are at the moment in terms of uh, defense. So that's my thinking. But I feel like. Really, premium attacks
1: will be capable of taking uh, advantage against that Leeds team. Right, because why I asked that? Because for Villa, the team we are going to discuss next, they are playing Leeds. Now, I am wondering now: is that a good fixture for Villa or is that a tough fixture for Villa? It, it's both.
0: I feel like Leeds will still give Villa a few openings, and they won't be small chances. There will be fairly big chances because Villa have quality in their midfield at the moment. Uh, so uh, they won't score a lot against Leeds but I do see them getting four or five big chances out of which they might take advantage in one or two sh- chances at the moment. I'm very conflicted when it comes to Leeds because the chances they're conceding are fairly big chances.
1: Exactly. That's what and I that's I, I can't I can't cons- get a read. I can't get a read on the fixture now when I see Leeds pop up for one of my attackers do I look at it as a good fixture do I look at it as a tough fixture I still don't know yet.
0: I'd still play any of my attackers well, I definitely against w- that I game. definitely
1: would. But now mm-hmm. when I see that in the fixture tick in the next three, do I look at it? Oh, yeah, this is a good fixture. I can use target this. I'm not sure yet. I I, I still see it as a good fixture. It's a fixture I, I I'm think interested I would with. definitely see it towards as a good fixture, but maybe not as much as we thought after the Liverpool game in week one.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a fair read in my opinion.
1: Let's move on to Villa.
0: So, I mean, my my opinion with Villa hasn't changed. It's it's where I was in terms of uh, last weekend as well. I feel like all three of them, the options that are there, and we've spoken about the defense, so let's not uh, go there again. Hmm. But in terms of attack, uh, Grealish is going to offer value for 7.1 million. He's spending a lot of time in that final third. Uh, Barkley is going to offer you value for his price because he's not going to score as many points as Grealish is. But uh, just because of the sheer quality that uh, Jack Riddish has. But Barkley is just a very, very selfish player. And he's going to take on shots like he did uh, in that final minute against Leicester. And he's going to just be very, very selfish. And he's on a few set pieces. So I like his price, which is 5.9. And he's going to offer you value for 5.9. And uh, Watkins, for me, is one of the standard options in the sub-6 million bracket. In fact, he's my favorite option. If you were good to go for a cheap forward at the moment... Especially because of the fixtures that Aston Villa have, so all three picks are good in my opinion, based on your team structure and how what suits your team. I think, but I would uh, say one thing: I don't see Villa scoring that many goals
1: despite the chances that they have had. So I wouldn't double up on a Villa attacker.
0: Just pick one and stick with it.
1: I agree with you. Now Barkley top amongst all mids for shots over the last two weeks and third for shots in the box. He, he does like a shot. But in terms of yeah, he's ranking, trigger happy. He's trigger happy. So exactly. in terms of ranking, I would say probably Grealish is still the big dog. Barkley now, I would still take Barkley over Watkins. So I would say Grealish, Barkley, and Watkins for me. Why, that why is that? Why,
0: that? That's interesting. Why would you go for Barkley over Watkins? Because Watkins is going to get. He's a good player. He's going to get a chunk of the big
1: chances. From what I've seen, like the, what the Fulham game is in fact the game that sort of put me off Watkins so much. Because just the way the attack structured, he was drawing defenders away, occupying them to bring to allow more space for Grealish. So I think Barkley, just because of how explosive he is in terms of his routes to points, how greedy he is, I think he offers more. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Not sure. If I had to pick one for 5.9, I'd still go Watkins, but it depends on structure. I think I he's at like 6 now, many... but
1: yeah, it does depend yeah. on the structure.
0: Yeah. My thinking is that even in terms of FPL, I think there are a lot more explosive forwards in the game right now. So that's why I'd probably go for a Barkley over Grievesh because I just, I wouldn't feel right going for a, a cheap forward at the moment. And in two or three weeks, uh, Antonio's opening up hmm. as a cheap forward as well, given his fixture. So that's hmm. where I'd look in Very a few nice. weeks. That's all it. right so that's 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 we have that's all we have in terms of the three teams we're looking at what's next on the agenda captains and
1: fixtures so let's touch all on right. the fixtures and we can take the captains from there
0: all right so we talk about liverpool versus uh, sheffield united at the uh, first uh, i'm expecting pool to i feel like sheffield have problems mitrovic could have braced against that sheffield United team if he was uh, to have uh, I, I could not a good believe week. the amount of
1: chances they conceded This is not the same team from last year.
0: Normally, I am confused in terms of captaincy. This week, I have no doubt in my head that Mo Salah or Sadio Mane are the standout captaincy options. Sheffield United, numbers are bad in defence. They don't really look that convincing. And this is the kind of fixture where I expect uh, uh, Liverpool to just run past them. I am expecting them to win by two or three goals at least.
1: I agree. Not much to add over yeah. there. Straightforward. Mane is a great
0: differential option as well. You know, he's owned by under 10%. He's looked really sharp. I thought, in fact, against Everton, he looked sharper than Mo Salah. So, uh, I don't mind that differential captaincy shout in this game at all. Absolutely. Uh, that's uh, so it's just uh, We're going to talk about Burnley versus Spurs next. But this is something I want to talk about as well. Now, we have a standout captaincy option this week in terms of Mo Salah. And uh, that's also one of the reasons maybe... Uh, where you have to make a lot of compromises to get a certain Harry Kane, you don't do it if you're set on Mosala as a captaincy option. So that is something that is influencing my thinking as well. At That's the a moment. good point
1: because I don't think really Kane away to Burnley is a captain option this week. I,
0: I feel like uh, Mosala versus Sheffield is the better pick by a fair distance. I agree. So, yeah. Yeah Burnley versus Spurs how do you see that game going I mean yeah Burnley when when does Ben Me come back by the way I mean I haven't heard about not anytime yeah, not
1: before this international break that's for certain I haven't been following it All too right. closely but I know he's out at least till the next international break Yeah
0: cuz I was watching the Burnley West Brom game as well unfortunately I feel so and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh Burnley looked uh, not as uh, tight as they always have so uh, I am worried about this uh, game not owning any Spurs attackers at the moment. That could change when we are when we come to Friday. But uh, I think Spurs have more than enough in them. One other thing is that I thought that Burgoyne didn't do anything uh, against West Ham. He didn't offer any threat on that side. And I feel like when Bale comes, uh, the, the Spurs attack becomes a lot more potent. Definitely. Uh, and uh, I see Spurs winning this by two or three goals as well.
1: And Kane has good history in this fixture. I remember he got a hat-trick, I think, a couple of seasons ago. Maybe two, yeah. three seasons.
0: I, I, I looked into it. I think he's he's got something like seven goals and one assist in eight games mm. against Burnley. It was uh, Mourinho's first game also, if you remember. Uh, that goal of the season, which Heung-Min scored yeah. last season, where he ran from his own half. That was against Burnley as well. They scored five goals in that game. Yeah. Final, I remember. Yeah. So, he knows at so, yeah, least how History to play as well. So, good captaincy option. I just happen to think that Liverpool are a better captaincy option this week. I would agree. What about that. West Ham versus... Man City, how do you see that game playing out? I think now
1: Man City will be a little bit buoyed after the injury to Van Dijk. I think now they realize that the title really is theirs to lose. So, I expect them to put on a show this weekend. And they've always done well on that big pitch at the West Ham Stadium. It allows them a lot of space. And I think Pep knows how to play against a back three. I think this is going to be an easy win for City despite West Ham's improvement. 3-0 City. Yep. 3-0 City.
0: And uh, I I I see... uh, the same sort of result as you do. I see City evening by a huge margin, which actually there, there are five to six standout captaincy options this week. If you really think about it, the salemana Duo, we have uh, Kane and Son as captaincy options as well. Sterling is a good captaincy option. Aguero for the ones who fancy a differential. All six are good captaincy options in their own right, in my opinion. Just I feel like the surest bet amongst uh, these three fixtures seem
1: like the Liverpool match to me at the moment.
0: Now, let's talk about
1: Zoff. Let's talk about the game.
0: Let's talk United about versus it. Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I don't see if there's anything to talk about this game. Uh, Lampard is... Uh, Ole's got a lot of problems, but Lampard isn't one. He's uh, Lampard is just Ole's puppet. He's destroyed Lampard's team twice in the games that mattered last season. Uh, and he's just going to tell his players... Kepa is keeping and Zuma is defending. I Kepa see Chelsea won't be in
1: goal. It's going to be Mendy. Mendy's is back. It's going to be Mendy. He's going to be fit. He's fit? Yeah, he's in fact fit Ooh, for today. He's going to play against Sevilla. He's in the squad. Oh, so, so, you had three big
0: weaknesses in my head earlier. Now, you have two big weaknesses. One is Zuma and one is Lampard. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, why was Pulisic playing on the right. right-hand side, by the way? I have I no idea. I would him. have
1: played Pulisic on the left with Cho on the right. Sometimes, Lamp selections are baffling.
0: Yeah, it's completely baffling. So Mount gets in the team
1: comfortable... irrespective. I think he'd be playing Mount at centre-back if he could.
0: Yeah, he's just Lampard's boy, right? I mean, nothing is going to... I just For Chelsea's... Uh, I mean, all jokes aside, I, I hope that... Uh, I spoke about... I tweeted about this where I feel like uh, Chelsea won't be elevated to the next level unless they let go of Mount because he just doesn't have the quality that the other Chelsea attackers have and it might take some time for them to gel in but I think Lampard needs to start taking those risks which he isn't at the moment. I mean, Pulisic, playing on the left, he's done so well for you uh, in that position and uh, Zaz should be playing on the right-hand side and Kai should be playing centre and Werner should be playing. I mean, look what happened. I I can't believe he wasted so much time playing Timo Werner in a central position, he looks so much better. He looks so threatening. That was knee I think.
1: A- just because of that Barnsley game, where he saw Havertz score the hat-trick, Tammy linkham I think that was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction from that.
0: I'd expect a good manager to see beyond that. I mean, Tammy... Uh, yeah, he. What? What? what is the advantage that Tammy Abram is providing? He's physical. But I even then, I don't see him bullying defenders. I, I don't rate the player uh, as much. So, yeah. But on a more serious note, how do, how do you see this game playing out?
1: It's a bit difficult. I think if it's an early goal for either team, then you could see the game open up a lot more. You'd see a lot of counter-attacks. But I don't think this will be a very high-scoring game. I'd say probably a 1-1. I, I in
0: fact, think it's going to be a fairly high-scoring game because I don't rate either of our uh, defenses at the moment. And uh, both of them look fairly unsteady. Both of them look prone to errors. uh, And... uh, I don't know if uh, Ole is going to play Pogba in midfield if he's going to play Pogba and uh, Bruno Fernandes in midfield who is going to pair him with so I'm worried about both defenses which is why I think uh, it's going to be a fairly high scoring game it's about in my head which team grows up more in defense mm-hmm. both I, teams have good players in attack to mm-hmm. take advantage of these weak defenses as
1: well so I hope I you guys get walloped game. by PSG today so that way there's some pressure on Solskjaer for the weekend
0: yeah, that that not going to change it because even if I, I'm not expecting anything, uh, in, I mean, it'd be a miracle if you're able to uh, pull off a result against PSG. In my head, I think they're a way more superior team. Uh, but uh, even if we were to lose, I just see a reaction against uh, Chelsea. But I think it's a case of two average defences which aren't in really good form at the moment So in terms of who has a better day in defence in my opening. Because I think both defend, attacks are
1: fairly good. I agree. I think you guys are doing yep. better with Rashford in the center forward role than you were with Marshall.
0: No, I I think Marshall is a good pick in center forward. Uh, what was the difference maker in that Newcastle game was the link up play that uh, Marta and Bruno Fernandez mm. had. They understand. They 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 played with each other a fair few times in the past in the cup games. And well, they have a really nice understanding where they're playing a lot of short passes to each other. But uh, I don't. Uh, expect Marta to play the Chelsea game. It's not the kind of game for him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he play a diamond also because we don't have a, a Marshall and I don't know how fit Cavani is. So, he might play two up top and a midfield diamond 4 I'm hoping he does something like that. But uh, if 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 we are playing a Matic, Pogba and uh, Bruno in midfield, I see us losing because you need more legs against a team like Chelsea.
1: Let's hope that's the case. Yep,
0: yep. No, that won't be the case. I'm hoping Ole doesn't make the mistake again. All right, moving on to Bakar's stats of the week. Uh, He has three stats for
1: us this uh, week. Uh, You want to take us through them, Zofar? Yep, I'll go to the first one. First one relates to the Leicester attack. Only West Brom and Palace have recorded fewer big chances from open play in the previous four game weeks than Leicester this season. Only Palace have a worse XG over the past two game weeks too. After defeating City 2 5 in Game Week 3, Leicester were the highest scorers of the league but have failed to score since having a neg- negligible threat from open play. Prospects of an Arsenal clean sheet look bright.
0: Yep, yep. I mean, I thought they were very, very poor against Aston Villa as well. No, they very didn't poor. create much. New. Very uh, poor. The next uh, stat that Big Man has for us is for about the Brighton defense, where he says that the Brighton against Palace became the first team this season to restrict their opposition to zero shots from inside the box from open play this season, sitting second best for big chances conceded at home this season. They are now up against a West Brom side who have created just one single chance in open play from five games till date. Chances are that Ryan and Lampty owners will be in profit. at uh, One single chance this time. in
1: open play from five games. Wow. Yeah. See, I told you that defense is good and they're going to keep possession. Just, no, I, I was some... more looking at West Brom rather than Brighton, <laughs> I think. They'll keep a clean sheet primarily due to the opposition they're facing.
0: Yeah, fair. So, then the next stat is about the Leeds defense.
1: What, what, yeah. Can you read it out? Yeah, it says, No team has conceded fewer big chances than Leeds over the past two game weeks. Over this spell, they have the best XGC2. Both Eiling and Dallas have been involved with three big chances of the 10 leads have managed so far so attacking points are imminent both look like great picks going forward see so that is interesting right. again we have two contrasting stats now they've conceded the most shots in the box over the first five matches but of the last two they have conceded the fewest big chances it's very hard to read leads
0: very hard very hard Ah, I'm still split, and I do, still don't don't feel like going for their four point five defenders.
1: No, I would yet. buy them, but tell, I still I'm still waiting for three four weeks to realize what leads are in terms of an opponent. Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. The, the differentials,
0: differentials
1: for. Go ahead. Who have you gone with? I think you've, you've gone, gone, gone with Podens.
0: Yeah, and no, I'm hoping that the differential picking form from last week, I picked Barkley last week. I hope that it continues as well. That might be a selfish reason to pick
1: Podence as well. Interesting. but uh, Interesting. I should jump yeah, I on don't, that. So, I I've, I've gone with new. Pepe. I think that fixture for Arsenal is really good. And I think Bakker echoes my sentiments. He's gone with Bellerin. We are both targeting nice. that Arsenal game.
0: Yeah, and you're targeting that Leicester team, which is not looking very good at the moment. Precisely. Yes,
1: now, moving on to the individual team discussions. We've got your team up over here first, LR.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm troubled in terms of what to do this uh, uh, game week. And my mind has wavered every hour, so to say. Just to quickly go through my team, I have Martinez in defence. Uh, as my keeper, I have Trent, Semedo and Lamptey in defence. I have Salah, Sterling, Foden and Podence in my midfield. Just a note on Foden, I thought he's done really well so far and his attacking stats actually look really convincing. He could have braced in the last game as well. So, I'm happy to hold him for now. And my forwards are Werner, Jimenez and Calvert-Lewin. Now, I have two free transfers and no uh, money in the bank. Uh, so, uh, and I don't really see a bad uh, pick uh, in my side at the moment. I mean, I don't really feel like removing anybody from my starting position. So, I might just, if if I didn't have three wolves, I might have done something like a Mitchell to Kilman. Uh, but, uh I might just change Burke to a more viable 4.5. If I was to make big moves, I'm hoping my hand is forced by Friday. But if I was to make moves, big moves, it would be an upgrade of Jimenez to Kane. But the problem is to fund it, I need to sell either Trent for a 5.3 million defender. Trent is playing Sheffield at home. Mm. This fixture suits him. Or I have to downgrade a Sterling to a Son. And I actually like Sterling for the West Ham away game as well. He scored the hat trick against them last season as well. If you remember, game week one, he likes playing against them, and he's done. I mean, Sterling's caught me two goals in the last two games. There's no real reason to sell him, so I I don't know uh, what to do with this. Will he go I mean, another week might... without Spurs? I mean, do you see a weakness in the team? They all have good fixtures this week as well, so I don't really feel like moving it. I could potentially go another week without Spurs. I'm just. I don't that see my... where
1: you would find. I think. For me, probably Werner. But Werner isn't really a weak link either. How much money do you need? You need a significant chunk of cash. You don't have any cash in the bank. You need close to 2 million to fund even Jimenez to Kane.
0: Trust me, I have even looked at Semedo to Kilmin and something of that sort. And it just, nothing is convincing. The compromise in the team to make that upgrade from Jimenez to Kane is nothing that has made me go, let's let's do it. Mm. Let's see where my head is in. And... There's also the Sergio Aguero factor. I can't rule that out. I just love him too much. So I feel like the moves I make depend on when I'm actually going to sit and make my moves because my head is dilly-dallying every one hour at the moment. And something that uh, a friend on the chat mentioned, uh, Joe, who's Lario. So, you know, uh, us as managers, we always uh, look at the risk of selling players uh, as the more risky move to do because they have good fixtures and they could haul. But there is as much of a risk to not buy the player that you actually want to buy. Uh It's actually the same, uh, different side of the same coin. You're only looking at it psychologically as selling is a tougher thing because you had that player. You don't actually own that player. It's the same, different side of the same coin. So not buying the player you should buy is equally risky. It's just something that you need to align in your head when you think about teams.
1: The correct. It's human nature to think otherwise. Yep.
0: Yep. So yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do, but if I do something, I'll let you guys know on
1: Twitter. Bakar has just sent across his team so I'll just walk you guys through it real quick he's got Martin. he already made his moves yep I'll just read out what the players he has mentioned. who he's brought in Martinez in goal Size, Alexander Arnold, Kilman is one of the guys he just brought in Sun Sterling Podence Salah Calvert-Lewin Werner Watkins what was his other transfer I oh, got he, Sun he, he got somebody for to... Sun yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, he upgraded a midfielder. He downgraded Reese James to get Kilman, which I like. Good move. Yes. Uh, moving in early good for Kilman. Uh, yeah, and uh, he upgraded a midfielder. I don't quite remember which midfielder he upgraded,
1: but yeah. He got Son. Good pick. I uh, think he upgraded Foden so, to Son. Something like that. I don't remember Something exactly. like that. I don't remember if he had
0: Foden as well. But good move. Son in right now is a good move and Reese James was a weakness in that team. So, I like what Barker's done. Same, same.
1: Now, my team, I have quite a few dilemmas and it's similar to yours. I've got McCarthy in goal, Alexander, Arnold, Walker, Peters, Ailing. Now, I don't like playing both the Saints defenders home to Everton. Now, there's Salah, Sun, Havertz, James, Jimenez, Calvert-Lewin and Adams. Now, it's interesting, My f- Adams was in the first on my sell list but I think now I'm going to give him another couple of weeks. I sort of want to. Now, the obvious target is Kane. Don't, don't, don't do not don't it. Take the points and runs off. Take the points and run. I don't know. I'm going to yeah. Options here. Now, I've got 2.8 in the bank. I can do a straight move for Jimenez to Kane. And then, like, roll with Havertz and Adams. I would also be inclined to make a move for Justin to size because that sets me up well for the next 3-4 weeks. I don't have to play double Southampton defense for those alternatively I would do Havertz to Barkley and Adams to Kane so
0: that's the that's the move I like we discussed this in the morning that's the move I like the most I feel like Havertz isn't as much of a compromise to get Harry Kane and Barkley is a good pick in that packet so if I was in your place it's it's the what do you
1: read of Havertz now he's got me consistent points So the last three weeks he's gotten five six seven so Again, that's no reason, again, to sell. But he doesn't look as involved, I think. He's in the right positions in the next two fixtures. I really don't know how involved he will be. It's a tough one to call.
0: Yeah, just, just wait and watch and look. Right now, what do we know? We know that Harry Kane is the best asset. One of the best assets in the game. So, the compromise in terms of selling somebody who we don't know what he's going to offer and instead getting somebody who we know is a sure thing just seems very appealing to me. I feel like it's a much. I feel like Adams and Barkley are at some sort of similar level picks when you're looking at that, but Kane is a much bigger upgrade on Havertz. That's how I see those moves. That you know. Sure, looking
1: at. I agree with you now. So it basically kind of comes down to: do you want Jimenez over the next two, three weeks, or do you want Havertz? I think that's pretty much what I need to ask myself. There's obviously the emotional factor of wanting to keep Havertz. Being from Chelsea, so do, who do you
0: think becomes the better pick, Pulisic or Havertz eventually? I That's would also not... something that should could, mm.
1: That's could a be in your thinking and because I... you could
0: be shoehorning into your position where you're not getting Pulisic because you have Havertz, you
1: know? I get I get the point you're making, there, but I think Havertz will be the better pick. A, because of minutes. I think Pulisic will eventually get rotated because he's injury prone. And I think Havertz is quite direct. I think he's had the second or third most goal contributions across Europe of any player this season. So, he always finds some way to get involved. It's not an easy decision this week at all
0: yep yep and i think a lot of managers echo those sentiments i don't think there are any easy decisions to make uh i actually wish i had a bad player to sell which would make life easier Mm. all right uh it's a tough one
1: now let's move on to the q a
0: all right uh we'll be very quick with how how far off are in terms of
1: time so far Uh, we, we can we got about we can finish it off in another 10 minutes it's fine
0: all right okay uh so the first question is something i'll take on uh is it a good time to start this question is asked from susumeen at the rate andre obas i genuinely felt like answering this question is it a good time to start copying your team now seeing that you hit form <laughs> uh, i think you should log on to your team and delete that team if this is how you want to play the game this is absolutely not how we encourage playing the game so what's, what's the point how are you having any fun just copying anybody else's team so yeah just don't play this way uh the next question is for you from at the rate FPL Rowan. Uh, Is it for once actually worth making a goalkeeper transfer given the form of Martinez from Ryan McCarthy, etc.? Not for a hit. If you have two free transfers and nothing else pressing... Okay, sorry. What's your answer? That's my answer. Yeah, I
1: was reading that. Yeah. So yeah, pretty much not for a hit. I would say if you have like two free transfers, nothing else pressing... And you spot a good run of fixtures over the next 5-6. Now, Martinez, the next three aren't as good, I think, as they appear on paper. Leeds, Southampton and Arsenal. So, maybe after that, I would be inclined to do the move.
0: Fair. Next question is from Stephen Power, 003. Who are the best 6-8 to million midfielders to choose from at the moment? Currently looking to get rid of Harvey Barnes. Uh, I feel like uh, Grealish is, depending on how you want to use your cash, the Aston Villa midfielders are standout picks in this bracket. Uh, And if you have an appetite for risk, uh, I really like Foden as a pick as well. Uh, I think uh, he's looked really good in the past two or three games. Uh, Especially in the Arsenal game, I was really impressed against his performance. Even Pep was praising it. Uh amongst the City midfielders, he's got the best stats as well at the moment. So, uh, if you if you have a higher appetite for risk, I don't mind Foden as a pick as well. Hmm. The next question is from Chandrakant at the rate FPL Tinker. it's a friend of the pot. Uh, this one's for of. Do I keep faith in Ch- Pulisic as Chelsea do have a favourable run of fixtures or go in for someone like Foden or Rossar? Hmm.
1: Okay. So I'm going to use the Sevilla game today as a real benchmark in terms of how much faith to put in Chelsea. Now, I wouldn't be getting rid of Pulisic yet. I think he'll definitely play against United. And I think Foden or Trossard aren't in the same league as Pulisic, as SPL options. Yeah. So if those are the two you're looking to exit towards, then I would definitely keep Pulisic.
0: I agree. I think Pulisic is a good pick. I think he's going to... Zach is fit. Now, he's going to play on that side. I and, think
1: today he'll probably be on the bench again versus Sevilla. But I'm hoping against you lads he starts.
0: Yep. 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 Uh, the next question is from Harry Duke, HD1. Richarlison is out for three games. Does this make James a better option? Will he play higher up the pitch? I'll take this one. Uh, we saw that uh, in the game against Brighton where once uh, Richarlison was subbed off... Uh, so, H- Hamez did move further up the pitch. But you also need to factor in that uh, Everton are losing a key asset in their front three. So, I think these two factors sort of counterbalance themselves. Mm-hmm. The one advantage though uh, with Hamez is he could potentially be on penalties because Richarlison was on pen. So, it's I, I reckon it's between Richarlison, it's between Hamez and uh, Calvert-Lewin for the penalty kicks. And I have a feeling it's going to be I Hames. think it's going
1: to be Hamez. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. Uh, the next question is from at the rate FPL made 38 Uh, he's addressed it to me as a son and Kane owner how and which city assets to go for the next two games is downgrading Trent to double up on Kane and Kuhn a sensible move Uh, Kuhn Sergio Aguero in as a differential under 5% is always a good move but uh, the fixture for Trent this week Sheffield United home is really good so I wouldn't do it this week just time it correctly that's all I'll say don't sell Trent this week I'd agree yeah. I might do it myself, though, if uh, I really, really want Kane. But uh, just saying. Uh, the next question is from at the rate FPLT. This one's for use of. When is the right time to get back on City Assets? Or all use differentials right now?
1: I think when KDB is back, their attack will probably go to another level again. And I think game week 9 to 10 is when they have a really good fixture run. So, I would target that. And I, it, it actually coincides very well with Spurs' difficult run. So, you can transition your Spurs assets over to your City assets at that point. Yeah.
0: I'd just like to add, though, it's it's right now as differentials, also, they aren't a bad uh, team to go for. I actually thought their performance against Arsenal was uh, pretty decent. Everybody had a good game. Uh, so, if if you have some poor assets in your team and if you fancy a differential, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, next question is for use of. It's from Adderage Stadium Sports. With so many midfield assets, which Chelsea players are under the threat of rotation with Champions League starting?
1: I think like I mentioned earlier, I think Pulisic primarily because he's so injury prone. I think Lampard will be cautious of him playing him three times a week, week in, week out, because of injury fears. Maybe with Ziek, he's a little yeah. bit cautious initially also, but he's just come back from injury. But I think Havertz is probably one of the more nailed players there. Yeah.
0: And also Lampard's love affair like Mount with Mount that we've already mentioned.
1: I'm hoping so, yeah, that proceeds a little
0: bit. Yeah, that's that's it for first pod without our friend Barker. Uh, we did miss him, but we wish him well. Uh, and as usual, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Uh, it always encourages us. And uh, next week we have a very interesting guest coming on. He's just confirmed with me today as well. We have Tom Freeman coming on. Uh, it's his first podcast uh, this uh, season as well. He's he's got he's a Aston Villa fan and he does uh, some writing for Fantasy Football Scout. And he's got five. 1K finishes and eight top 10K finishes. That's one more than yours, off. I wasn't expecting anybody to have more ten top 10K finishes. I'm sure Incredible there are. record. I'm looking forward to the podcast with him next week it as well. Should be great. Hopefully Villa get a win. Hopefully United get a win. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week and thanks for listening to us. Thank you.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.